so wonderful to be with you today. And thank you so much for doing this broadcast with me. That's going to be uploaded to YouTube. And I want to share with our you know, former ESPN colleagues and friends. And it's wonderful that, you know, it's been 10 years since we worked together. And I know that my father and I had lunch with you uh, at Lake yeah, Note yeah. a few years ago here in Orlando. So it's just so wonderful for you to be here with me today. And I have our the book that you signed for me. And <laughs> I, I love this book and have the card that you had given me from a few years ago and I wanted to share with our audience and you had wrote to me Garrett nice to work with you at ESPN every day someone does something great today make that someone be you Lou Holtz well you have done that Garrett but let's see how you feel after the show <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, could you could you define relationship building for me as a former national champion uh, head coach for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? When you think of relationship building, what what is relationship building mean to you? Well, one thing that everybody is in sales, we're either selling a product or we're selling a thought or idea or we're selling ourselves. And there's no way in this world you can accomplish anything unless you have relationships with other people. You know, they're all kind of Hall of Fames, but I've never seen a monument built to a team, but a team enables you to accomplish something no individual can accomplish regardless of how multi-talented you may be. And I have a friend who's very, very popular. And his motto is, it's not hard to be nice. And I think you can't, accomplish anything well we're talking about the people with the camera the producer whatever it is that you're all working for the same common cause and that's to put out the best show possible where people would find it informative as well as enjoyable and that can't be done if you don't work with other people we have to appreciate the role that everybody plays we used to say we have a goal and you have a role well your role may be a producer, maybe a TV cameraman, whatever the case may be. But you have that role. We expect you to do that the best of your ability. And if we all do our role properly, we're going to turn out a good product. But if you have different people wanting to do something else and don't do it to the best of their ability, you're going to have a very poor program in the long run. So relationships is so important because nobody – can do anything by himself. I, I believe that sincerely. I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, you've laid out so many different roles and in different, you know, settings. And, you know, talk to me a little bit more about that. When you think about the leadership attributes and qualities, whether it's a family, whether it's an, on a sports team, a business, an organization. Um, I love this conversation. And I, I wanted to just ask you specifically, what are the leadership attributes and qualities you look for? Well, when I went to the University of Notre Dame, as Father Hesburgh said to me, in an hour, we're going to go to that press conference. I'm going to announce you're the head coach of Notre Dame. He said, I cannot announce to the world that you're the leader of the Notre Dame football team. He said, I can give you the title because titles come from above. He said, the players will determine if you're a leader. And I said, what makes a leader? He said, the most first obligation you have as a leader is to set high standards. That's your obligation. You set high standards and you don't lower them to pacify people. 
what you do, you set high standards and you show people how they can achieve that. And that's where their self-image comes from. That's where their confidence comes from. And most people don't realize how much talent and ability that God gave them. But if we just make sure that we do everything the very best of our ability, you only have three rules. And, you know, we complicate life. We don't have to. You don't need four rules. To have a relationship with people and to do everything the best of your ability, Number one, let's do what's right. There's never right time to do the wrong thing, never wrong time to do the right thing. It's not right to find a teammate's wallet before he lost it. That's called stealing. So let's just do what's right. Why is it important for Wes to do what's right? It's the only way you can build trust with each other. And I don't care whether you're talking about a team, a family, a business, or a relationship with a loved one. It has to be based on trust. And there's only one way in this world I know that you can always trust people if both sides always does the right thing. So let's just make sure we do rule number one, do the right thing. The second thing is let's do everything the very best of our ability. Garrett, uh, not everybody be All-American, not everybody be All-Conference, not everybody be first team. But everybody can be the best they're capable of being. That's all I want you to do. Not everybody can be a day student. But you should be the best you can be. If it's a B or C, I can live with that. As long as it's the totally best that you can do. And the last thing that's critical is to develop a love and a feeling and a caring for each other. You're never going to meet anybody again. Doesn't need a smile, a kind word, a curse, but everybody has problems. I'm an old man. You know, my birthday candles cost more than a cake. But the one thing I've learned, no matter how long you live, you're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have obstacles. You're never going to reach a point where you say, oh, boy, I don't have anything to worry about now. It doesn't happen. Life is not avoiding problems. Life is being able to handle the challenges and the opportunities and the difficulties that's presented each and every day. And when you learn to understand that that's all part of life, you don't get discouraged when the problems pile up and it seems like everything's going against you. You understand that that's all part of life, but let's do what's right so we can gain, gain trust. Let's do everything to the best of our ability so we know we're totally committed to excellence. And if you want to fail, you have the right to fail. You do not have the right to cause other people to fail because you don't do everything to the very best of your ability. And the most important thing is you build a love and a care because in a leadership role, what you're trying to do, Gary, you're, you're trying to develop a culture. See, there, every team, every business, every the organization, including ESPN, goes through. First thing you have to do, you have to learn how to be competitive. Uh, I've inherited six solution situations. First thing we had to do was learn how to be competitive. You learn how to be competitive because you do all the little things fundamentally. Then you have to learn how to win. Now we learned how to come. How do we learn how to win? We learn how to win by executing the fundamentals, but doing little things the right way. Everybody does the big things. It's doing the little things because a shoe, because a nail was lost, a 
shoe was lost because the shoe was lost. The horse was lost because the horse was lost. The rider was lost because the rider was lost. The message was lost because the message was lost. The battle was lost because the battle was lost. The war was lost because it just doing little things the right way. Then you have to go to stage three. You have to learn how to handle winning. The minute you start winning, everybody forgets what it was like when you were at the bottom. Everybody's making fun of you. They forgot. They take it for granted that they're going to have success the rest of the time. That's not going to happen. Each and every year, you have to be prepared to be the best that you can be. And so when you learn how to do it, and once you start winning, everybody wants credit for it. Nobody wants to work anymore. But when you learn to handle winning, you move to the last stage, which is you build a culture. And when you build a culture, you build championships. And the culture is when everybody in the organization buys into what you're trying to do. You can have uh, a mission statement, but if your employees aren't on a mission, that mission statement isn't worth a doggone. And you build the right culture when everybody in the organization, whether it's a TV, Production, whether it's a team, a family, is when everybody starts implementing their thoughts and their ideas with each other. And a prime example of that would be Tom Brady and Ron Garkowski. They come from New England where they had a culture. We're in the locker room. You can own one another. That's not the way we do things. And they went to Tampa Bay. And they're seven to five. They have an open date. But Tom Brady and Gronkowski obviously continued to preach this culture and it started kicking in and they didn't lose again the rest of the time. They won the Super Bowl. All the players wanted to come back and all 22 did come back. Why? Because of the culture. They like that culture where everybody believes the same thing. So as I say, it's not complicated, but it is successful when you just build those four things by following those three rules well well said coach and it's interesting because you helped me answer my question number three but i wanted to expand on that i'm a lifelong you know Tampa Bay buccaneer fan and you know grew up in tampa lived there for 14 years and you know when we worked at espn together and i enjoyed our talks and discussions because you talked about all your you know, trials and tribulations as a coach and, you know, your, um, your relationship with Woody Hayes and, you know, learning from him. And, you know, when you think about the championship culture that you just expressed, and when you think about organizations and all different types in sports and business, you know, and in, in government, you know, when it comes to, and you learn from your failures, just as much, if not more than your successes. But if you were to talk to an organization and ask them when, when they're at their lowest point, how do you utilize your skills and that mental discipline to get back on top, to keep pushing forward? And what tools would you use uh, for yourself that you can impart for organizations to help them get through the tough times to enjoy the even more prosperous times? Well, the first thing they have to realize, quitting is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And everybody gets discouraged. I told the athletes, I don't want you to get up every day 
and saying, do I want to play football? You decide once a year whether you want to play football. And that way, if you don't want to play football next year, that's fine. But you made that decision. You don't get up and say, I'm not sure I want to play because one day you're going to get up and say, no, I don't want to play. You're going to quit. And it's going to be a decision that will haunt you. And also set a tempo for the rest of your life. You'll start running away from problems, challenges, and obligations. And we're always going to have them. Uh, I remember at South Carolina, my first year, we lost every football game we played that year. My wife had her second cancer surgery. I was on a school or played for three days recruiting. We landed Lady Ann Airport. The pilot said, Coach, will you visit Darnell Washington? We're going to fly 11 miles to the to get gas, come back and get you. And during that 11-mile flight, the school plane crashed. One pilot was killed instantly. The other seriously injured later died. And I had a kicker that said, I can't kick when you're watching. You talk about everybody being negative. It's too old. The game passed away. You can't win again. It's South Carolina. All the negative things. And I can't even tell you how many times I got down on my knees and prayed before I went into a team meeting or a coaches meeting that I wasn't upbeat and believed in the future. It's just all part of life. I have it difficult, but you continue to persevere. And if you maintain uh, your, your focus, and this is what happens to people in business. See, as a coach, Garrett, I had two objectives, two uh, mandates, as I called them. I, I was, had to win. I had to graduate from our athlete. I had to graduate our athlete. I didn't have to put them in the pros. I didn't have no alumni. Those were the two mandates. Graduate, win. If I graduate athlete, didn't win, I get fired. If I won and didn't graduate, I get fired, vice versa. And so you understand that was my two mandates. In business, you have two mandates. Satisfy the customer and make a profit. It's that simple. It isn't any more complicated than that. How do I satisfy the customers? How do I make a better profit? What changes do I have to make in order to do that? How do I satisfy the customers? See, if you don't satisfy the customers, you aren't going to be in business long. And if you satisfy the customers but give such a cheap price, you're going to go out of business because you don't make a profit. So let's always keep in mind what are we trying to accomplish? What's our purpose? Why are we there? And then you use common sense from there. We complicate life and we don't have to. There's only seven colors of rainbow. Look what Michael did with them. There's only seven beautiful notes. Look what Beethoven did with them. There's only 10 numbers. Look what Bernie Madoff did with 10 numbers. So it doesn't mean it's always going to be correct, but it doesn't have to be complicated. As long as we maintain that we have to have a relationship with other people to work with them, but also, what is our mandate? What are we trying to get accomplished? What keeps us from doing it? Well said, Coach. And, you know, you draw on so many um, helpful examples. And, you know, there are a lot of synergies. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from and, doesn't matter what you aspire to be and what your passions are. As long as you're a good person and you think team oriented solutions all the time for you and your team, you're going to be successful. 
And, you know, I was inspired working with you at ESPN and with Mark May and, you know, Jesse Palmer and the late John Saunders and all the people at ESPN from a decade ago. And even 10 years later, it still feels like yesterday that we were in Studio G in Bristol, Connecticut, and I was your production assistant for ESPN ABC. And it was wonderful. And I, I think about, you know, as you as a national championship winning coach, which you won in 1988, which was my birth year. So it's extra special for me that that was the year that you won for Notre Dame. And all your other seasons were truly remarkable on how each one of your teams that you had coached, you got them to a bowl game by the second year of you coaching them, that you were able to turn them around really quickly. And so when I think about how your pedigree of being a national championship winning coach when you think about, you know, developing players back in the day and what players need now to be successful on and off the field, not only to be successful for their organization, the college team that they, uh, you know, represent, but beyond college, when they get in the real world, when you think about the type of people who are, you know, up and comers today, what are your messages to them? Life doesn't change. And we may complicate it and situations may change as, as we go along, but those, those three rules will never lead you wrong. Whether you're talking about raising children, you're talking about your family, talking about building a football team, you have to execute the fundamentals, obviously, but it's just having relationships with, with other people. And you also have to develop a culture where everybody believes, but you got to develop a positive attitude. Uh, your employees have a better chance to catch a cold, uh, and less chance to catch a cold than they do to catch your attitude. And your attitude has to be positive, has to be upbeat, but not a Pollyanna. You're not whistling in the dark. Uh, you're, you're not, you're, you know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And you have to have goals and objectives. And everybody needs four things in their life. If you don't have four things, you find a tremendous void. I mean, everybody needs something to do. Everybody needs someone to love. Everybody needs something to hope for. Everybody needs someone to believe in, but having something to hope for is critical. And there's a rule of life, you're either growing or you're dying. So is a tree, so is a grass, so is a marriage, so is a business. It has everything to do. Am I trying to get better? Am I trying to maintain? And too many times when we're successful in a business, we get to the point where we say, this is pretty good. Let's not risk it. Let's not change it. Let's maintain Anytime you try to maintain any phase of your life, you're not going to have any enthusiasm. You're not going to have a desire to get up in the morning, go to work, because you don't know what you're trying to achieve. That's why goals are so important for each individual as well as a company, as well as a family. What are, what are our goals? What are we trying to accomplish as a husband or as a father? What are we trying to accomplish uh, in our religious life, are we trying to improve it or uh, what are we trying to accomplish financially? What do we want to do? What are the things we want to get done? What are the things that I want to accomplish professionally? What are the things I want to do just for the excitement sake of doing it? But once you set that goal, you got to answer these questions honestly. What financial price am I willing to pay? What skills and talents do I have to acquire in order to do it? What, uh, who do I have to work with? What bad habits do I have to get rid of? Then 
who do I have to work with or what's my plan? But having goals and objectives is what really motivates people. If you don't if you don't have any goals or objectives, you know, don't have any burning desire to get up in the morning, can hardly wait to get started, hardly wait to work on this problem in order to achieve our success. And that's why I say, if you don't have burning desires in every phase of your life, you're going to feel a real big void in your life. And the more successful you are, the more difficult it is to focus on getting better. Because we always say this is pretty good. Let's maintain. Let's not rest. Let's not change. Let's maintain. And, you know, when you think about, you know, all these words of wisdom that, you know, you're imparting in this broadcast, you know, for all the audience members out there. And, you know, when you think about your time at Notre Dame and other universities, you know, are there one or two life uh, lessons that, you know, really impacted your life where, you know, you, you still think back years later, you know, those lessons that you learned and do they apply today? You know, you could change situations and circumstances, et cetera, but it really doesn't change as you go along. And, you know, I hate to keep saying how simple it is, but let's understand who Lou Holtz is not. I'm not a singer and I'm not a dancer. I'm not an entertainer. I'm not an intellect. Uh, I graduated in the lower third of my high school class. My dad had a third grade education. Uh, uh, nobody from our family had ever gone to college, let alone graduate from college. But as you go along and your confidence grows and your self-image grows, and self-image is so critical. And, and we have to control the self-image by ourselves. I, I, I've only loved two girls in my life, and first one was in college, and she ditched me for a fraternity brother and ended up marrying him. And as a senior in college, I never drank a single ounce of beer. I mean, I wouldn't. But when she broke up with me for 11 straight nights, I went down to the camp bar. The reason I went there, one of my fraternity brothers, Rich Hopkins, was a bartender. And for 11 straight nights, I got drunk. And I woke up with a hangover. And I said, you know, why should I let somebody that doesn't like me, doesn't care about me, ruin my life? That, that I got to control my own attitude and my own self-confidence. And, and your self-image comes from yourself, from your belief. And you shouldn't listen to yourself. You should talk to yourself and list all the good things and qualities. But if you have a good self-image, a good self-confidence, you're going to feel comfortable dealing with other people. And, your self-confidence comes with when you know people can trust you, know they want to commit excellence, and know that you care about other people. That that's where your self-image comes from. That's where confidence comes from. And you get there's two types of people: those that lift up and those that pull down. And those that lift up are the ones that believe in themselves. Now, I didn't always believe that when I got married. I felt so insecure. And I had a beautiful wife. We were married 59 years, but when we we're younger, we'd go to a cocktail party and she'd be talking to another man. He's always better built, better looking, more intelligent. You say, gee, why would she rather be with him than with me? Then because you're insecurity and constantly criticize your wife, trying to pull her self-confidence down till she'd reach a point where she would think she was lucky to have you as a husband. I mean, this is a prime example of 
people in a leadership role that don't have good self-confidence, that don't have good self-image, don't believe in themselves, that know they're violating those three rules, they're going to be very critical and very negative of everybody else. And we can sense that with somebody very, very quickly. And unfortunately, there are too many people in a leadership role that have poor self-confidence and criticize individuals and pull them down. And as a leader, you never criticize the performer, but as a leader, you have an obligation to criticize the performance. And you only do that when you have a good faith and self-confidence in yourself. Well, that's well said, Coach, and makes all the sense in the world when you think about how, as a leader, you have to hold yourselves accountable. But if you're the face of the brand of the company or the sports team, you know, you have a obligation to make sure that the team under you has a leader to follow and emulate to help an organization move forward and a legacy that you can leave for that team if, you know, years into the future, it's their turn to help lead the company. And I guess the last question I have for you uh, before we uh, depart from our broadcast today is, and it's an interesting outside the box question. If you think about yourself, you know, your late wife who you love dearly, and uh, you said that the best business plan in your life is marrying the right person. I remember you said that I'm very fortunate and blessed to um, be married to the right person in my life who I love so much. Um, when you think about, you know, starting an organization from scratch, you know, maybe you want to incorporate players that you coached or players you coached against, you know, are there specific individuals you would want to start an organization with, you know, that who have, in, who have impacted your life? because of the leadership qualities and the uh, intangibles that they uh, possessed to make the great people that they are. Well, as I told our players, you do what I ask you to do for four years and I'll do what you ask me to do for the next 40. You know, one thing I asked him was to let, let's make sure that our priorities and our values, we're going to trust each other, go be committed. We're going to, totally care about one another. And I, I would start with any athlete that I could follow those three things that I could believe in them. And here's what I asked your audience to do. Take two people. Take somebody you love, admire, and respect, and somebody you got a problem with. And put these three questions on both of them. Can you trust them? Or they committed excellence and do they care? I guarantee the person you admire and respect, you just said yes to all three questions. Person you got a problem with, you pinpoint the problem. You can't trust them. They aren't committed or they don't care. And that's all I ever tried to do was get athletes that had those three qualities. And sometimes they would falter. But when they did, your obligation was not to criticize the performer, but criticize the performance. For example, I don't believe that's best you do, Jim. And here's the reason why. You got an A in Spanish one, you get an D in Spanish two, missed class three times, study all twice, two or once. I don't believe that's best you do, and I want to know why. You never criticize a performer, but you have an obligation to criticize a performance, and there's a distinct difference between the two. And you have to remember when people need love and understanding the most is usually when they deserve it the least. And people today are different. Coaches are different. When I was 
coached in high school, the assistant coach, he, he was in Iwo Jima five years before. And all of a sudden, he's coaching me, and he's coaching me like as a Marine. But now today, you have the millennials, and everybody gets a trophy, and nobody has any adversity, and everything is somebody else's fault. And they're a lot harder to handle. But to me, what I found out that what you say to a millennial is important, but what you say is not near as important as your tone of voice. You know, tone of voice is not near as important as your facial expression. The you know, matter you get, the more you smile, the softer you speak. But you don't lower the standard for millennials. And unfortunately, you're too many people in a leadership role today to try to lower the standards for millennials to keep them happy. Their job is to please the leader. And the leader has to have the welfare of the individual first and foremost in all the decisions they make. But as a leader, don't lower the standards. That is so critical. Well, thank you. Thank you, Coach, for this wonderful time to spend with you in, in this broadcast. I want to thank all the, the viewers who will be watching on YouTube. And I want to thank, uh, you know, Fifth Avenue Brands uh, and the CEO of the company, Richard Lorenzen, for helping make this broadcast uh, possible, uh, who's worked with Wave Capital, uh, helping this broadcast be possible. And thank you for your friendship, Coach Holtz. Uh, I admire you so much. And, you know, you're a you know, presidential Medal of uh, Freedom a recipient, which is a great, great honor. And you're revered all around the world, not only in the sports world, but in the business world. And, you know, you're a man of faith and so am I. And I want to thank you so much again. I hope to see you very soon. And please take care of yourself. And God bless you always. It has always a pleasure to be with you, Garrett. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Coach. We'll talk soon. You take care. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome.